When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thursday, March 17th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, a happy St. Patrick's Day. It's uh, a little bit greener outside. The, the weather's going to be great for a parade. Yeah, it's usually snowing on St. Patrick's Day, Joe, so we're, so oh, we're lucky, you're usually You're usually in Arizona <laughs> during St. Patrick's Day. Don't, don't, don't give me that. You don't even know what a, a snowy St. Patrick's Day is like in Cleveland. Uh, I, I guess... You know, if, if there's a parade today, which is great, uh, there has been a parade of free agent signings in Major League Baseball, uh, none of which have been wearing, uh, you know, the Guardians uniform uh, coming up. We saw uh, Freddie Freeman go to the Dodgers late, late last night in a, in a big signing. Uh, Freeman's going to go. He's, he's going back to, uh, near his hometown there in, in California. And... It, it, is that the move that sort of sets the market for these these high paying guys like Carlos Correa, like Trevor Story, like Michael, Michael Conforto, who are left out there now uh, that, that sort of gets things done with the rest of these signings? Yeah, you know, I think it, it's a strangest. It's a strange move. You know, I mean, I, I can see the Dodgers signing them. They signed them for six years and one hundred sixty two million. But the. And he got the six guaranteed year that uh, Atlanta supposedly wouldn't give him. And Atlanta turns around and trades for Matt Olson and then gives him an eight year, $168 million extension. I mean, what? Yeah, <laughs> I know nothing we, is making you know, sense anymore. Olson's younger, younger than Freeman, right. but why not just keep Freeman for the face of the franchise? I, I, that was a weird trade, a weird yeah. deal. That that deal was weird, and then you turn around and you look at Chris Bryant going to Colorado of all places, getting uh, 182 million dollars, and Colorado is still paying half of Nolan Arenado's salary. You wouldn't pay him, so you traded him last year, and you've got Trevor Story who you're not paying. So it, 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 there's there's a lot of head scratching moves out there right now in in free agency. Uh, that some of these teams are giving big contracts to certain guys uh, when they've already, you know, come out and said that they weren't going to pay other guys. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Chris Bryant, seven years and no total, no, no trade clause too. 
So uh, what what is Chris Bryant going to do in at altitude? I mean that is, that's a, that's a scary thought. But they're not going to win. I mean that's that's a weird. I mean I you know you can't turn down that much money, I guess. But still, it's a, you know you wonder how how long it's going to take before he gets frustrated, like Arenado was. Yeah, and and that was that was the problem with Arenado was they weren't committing to building around him. So now you bring in Bryant at even more money that you, while you're still paying Arenado, it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, none of this, none of this makes any sense. And what makes even less sense is that a guy like Jock Peterson, who the guardians had been rumored to be in on and had been pursuing, uh, goes and signs a one-year deal for 6 million with the giants. Uh, it, couldn't the guardians have offered more than that? Yeah, I think if, if they were interested in him, Joe, they would have probably had to outbid that. They'd have to, you know, I mean, last year they they paid, uh, you know, uh, Eddie Rosario one year for $8 million. Uh, but, you know, Peter, the, the Giants are attractive. What, they won 100, 107 games last year. They're a contender. They're going to contend in the in the uh, NL, uh, NL West. And, um, and. You know, I think, uh, you know, the Guardians are, are a question mark right now. So maybe that's what, you know, swung the deal in, in the Giants' favor. Yeah, if he gets to play the Dodgers uh, 18, 19 times this, uh, this upcoming year, I mean, maybe that's something that was a factor for, for uh, Peterson, you know, just wanting to do that. Uh, Eddie Rosario, like you said, back to the Braves for two years. Uh, and there was uh, a couple of tweets, a couple of, of rumors out there that, Austin Meadows might be a possibility in a, in a trade for, for Cleveland. Yeah. I was just thinking, you know, he had two and two together, you know, Schwarber's off the board. The Indians had some mild interest in him, uh, you know, but he signed a big, what, four years, $79 million deal with the Phillies. But, uh, you know, people were saying if, if they were in on Schwarber, you know, anybody in on Schwarber probably turns their attention to, to Austin Meadows. And I think the Indians would much rather do a deal than sign sign a free agent because every free agent is getting big, big money now, Joe. So in this, in this, uh, you know, market, so maybe that, you know, this is a guy that what hit 33 home runs last year. He could, you know, he could help, he could help yeah. the, uh, the guardians. Yeah. That, that he would definitely, uh, you know, take one worry off the plate. If you just, uh, you know, plop him in right field and let him go, uh, that, that would be a possibility there. What do you think of the idea? And we, we talked to Terry Francona yesterday. Uh, he mentioned the possibility of moving uh, Ahmed Rosario around, not just having him play uh, shortstop only, maybe uh, start working him in left field as well. He said Rosario was open to the idea. We saw how much of a catastrophe that was with him in the outfield last season. Uh, and it was only after he moved to shortstop full time that he really locked in offensively. Uh, what do you think that sets up if they're if they have that positional flexibility with Ahmed Rosario? Does that mean they might pursue somebody like a Trevor Story? You know, the, I was it, it sounded that way, didn't it, Joe? Because yeah, because uh, you know when uh, Francota was talking to uh, reporters yesterday, he said we didn't want to uh, surprise. Basically, they didn't want to su surprise Rosario, you know, with the, you know, based on the free agent market and the trade market by saying, okay, you're going to be the shortstop and then bringing somebody in potentially, you know, late in the game here or before the start of the season and then 
to play shortstop and then they have to move them. So they told them what they were doing, you know, what their, what their plans were. So maybe it does open, open it up, but I don't yeah. know about story story's got to be, <laughs> it, you know, he's, he's got to be a hundred million dollars, right? I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a big ticket guy unless story is looking for a one-year deal kind of to reestablish his, his value hey. because he's not, he didn't have that great a year last season in Colorado. Hey, there's another shortstop out there that hasn't signed yet that, uh, you know, if they're in on Carlos Correa, but I, I can't imagine that would even be a possibility with the kind of money that Correa would be commanding and, and the teams that are pursuing him uh, as well. I would imagine that the conversation with Rosario went something along the lines of, hey, Ahmed, you did great uh, at shortstop last year. We, we see you playing there. Uh, but we've got some irons in the fire. We've got some some word out there trying to, um, you know, make a couple of moves, a couple of deals. If you have to play left field, we're going to put you out in left field. We're going to play you at both positions during spring training. We just don't want you to, to you know, be totally shocked or surprised when that happens. That's sort of more like what I heard out of Francona was that they wanted to, you know, cover all the bases with him beforehand as they, as they move forward in this uh, – sort of free agency slash trade uh, period right now. Yeah. And, you know, and there's also the possibility that, you know, they're going to open it up, open the shortstop position up to, you know, they've got nine, nine middle infielders on the 40 man. Joe, who do you think would be uh, the logical uh, successor to uh, Ahmad at shortstop out of that bunch that, that are on the 40 man? I think that they've they're sort of grooming Brian Rocchio to be that guy eventually, but he's still he's got to be a year, maybe maybe a year and a couple of months away from from really taking that spot and really forcing them to play him there. Uh, I think Gabriel Arias is a guy who's who's got the experience. He's ready to go right now and could could be a trade chip if that's if that's a direction that they want to go. If they don't want to go with an unproven guy right off the bat. We saw what happened when they did that last year with, with uh, uh, um, Andres Jimenez. So yeah, I think, I think you put Jimenez at short, you trade Arias, you anoint Rocchio as the guy in waiting. And if Rosario uh, is your only option at shortstop this year, then he's your only option at shortstop. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And, you know, I, the kid I'm excited to see is, is Tanya. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, obviously he's, he's, a, he's a long way away. He's, he's like, he played what a ball at, at Lake County and maybe he played in the, in the double a uh, playoffs, but, uh, right. uh, you know, uh, still an exciting guy. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see him play. Right. Uh, and uh, you know, there's, there's other possibilities out there. There's other outfield possibilities out there. I think if you sign uh, a Michael Conforto, who's still unsigned as a, as I check my phone, he's still unsigned right now, so we're okay. Uh, if you sign a Michael Conforto, he he makes Rosario your shortstop. That Rosario is not going to move to the outfield if Conforto is in right. But again, Conforto had turned down big money in uh, with the Mets, so you know I I just don't see them paying one guy uh, a huge sum of money this year. Uh, this year in particular, maybe next year. If uh, if the ownership situation you know resolves itself with the, a minority owner, but uh, I, I'm just shocked, and I'm sure you are as well, at the just the perceived sort of lack of movement of any kind. You know, they signed Ian Gabot, 
a right-handed reliever minor league guy out of the twins organization. And that's, you know, that's pretty much it. They, they signed a backup catcher and a minor league reliever. Yeah. They have, they've got to do something, Joe, because the whole division is making moves. Uh, you know, Detroit made a lot of moves before the lockout. They're also talking to, you know, Montas, uh, about Oakland, about another starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, uh, the White Sox have improved their bullpen. Um, Kansas City. I mean, Kansas City is, is you know, just brought Granky back. Yep. Uh, so, so, I mean, if you want, you know, you know, starting pitching is great. And, and uh, the Guardians have that. But you got to score runs to win. And we found that out last year. And they really have to improve this offense. They've got to find a way. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, it feels like they're just standing on the corner watching the parade go by which is, uh, you know, an appropriate analogy for today. Uh, let's, let's get into yesterday. We talked to uh, Frank Kona. We talked to Fran Mill Reyes. We, always a fun time sitting down with, uh, with Fran Mill. He's, uh, he's a great interview on Zoom uh, and in person. Uh, what did you take away from Fran Mill's uh, session and, and just his uh, approach to um, this team this year? Yeah, you know, I was kind of impressed that, uh, you know, I, I, I know he wanted to play winter ball, and I, I think I would have liked to see him play winter ball, maybe get a, get a chance to, uh, you know, play some right field, play some outfield, but uh, he wanted to play with Albert Pujols, and when he, you know, he, when he went to the team that Albert was on, Albert was leaving, you know, in a week, so he didn't, you know, he didn't play, but he did work out with Juan Soto, you know, in Florida, and uh, if that if you're going to work out with a guy, that's a pretty good guy to work out with. And, you know, he l- said he learned some stuff on in the strike zone from from Soto and Soto, you know, is, is so young, but may, might be the best hitter in the big leagues when it comes to strike zone discipline and, you know, making contact. And, uh, you know, Framo could certainly benefit from that. Yeah, controlling the strike zone. That's what uh, what Framil, uh you know, wanted to, to take away from that. He said he uh, he's looking forward to. Uh, live BP sessions as they, they sort of ramp up here yesterday and today. Uh, he said he, he was looking forward to facing Shane Bieber and, and Zach Plesak and Aaron Savali. The only guy he didn't want to step in there against was Emmanuel Classe. And I can't say I blame him. A uh, hundred miles an hour right out the chute might, uh, might be intimidating for, for any hitter right now. Yeah. You, you don't want to do that. Your, your hands will be stinging for, for the rest of the day for sure. So if you, if you take some bad hacks or get jammed against class A. Yeah, no, no fun there at, at all. Uh, Fran Mill said that he likes the fact that these, uh, uh, that these guardians are young and hungry and they want to play. I think he was maybe parroting a little bit of Tito's uh, speech that he gave um, I think because we've heard that same sort of theme out of uh, a couple of these guys that that you're young, you're hungry to win, uh, and let's let's go out there and, and see what you can do. Uh, if if that's the case, we're going to hear that the rest of uh, these interviews that we we get a chance to hear, uh, you know, just sort of repeating that same line. But but Framil, when when he says that, I tend to believe him. Framil just he uh, he really you get the the idea that he has a lot of faith in these kids. Uh, he also was excited to see his buddy, Josh Naylor, uh, who, who missed, uh, you know, three months of the season with a broken leg. And the two of them have a special connection as well. Yeah. You know, they, they were in San Diego together and uh, they've, they've stayed in touch. I know 
Framil always thought, even, you know, when it looked last year at the kind of darkest moments for Naylor that he'd come back and, you know, Naylor's bounced back. I don't know if he's, he's all the way back. I don't know if he's going to make, you know, the opening day roster, but he sure has made some progress, a, a lot of progress, Joe, like you wrote about uh, yesterday and, uh, you know, just kind of an inspirational story and the way he's handled it, the attitude he's had, you know, it, it really, you know, if you're having a bad day, I guess you should hang around with uh, Josh Naylor and uh, he'll cheer you up. Well, if Hoynesy's having a bad day, all he's got to do is uh, is bring Naylor on a Zoom. And that's uh, there, there's a lot of energy there. As soon as he sees you, uh, he perks up. Uh, yeah, unrelenting positivity is, is sort of what I took away from that interaction with uh, with Naylor. He talked about the um, the uh, rehab center facility that he, he drove to in Scottsdale an hour away. Uh, from where he was staying out there in Arizona and how, you know, no matter what, uh, when he got out there, those, the, the athletes and the, the staff there sort of made him see that you have to stay positive. You can't let the negative thoughts about my career being over and that kind of stuff uh, creep in. And, and he, he did the job, man. It, it, it gave him a lot of time to be introspective, to realize that at, at 27 years old, I mean, this kid, I think he's got life figured out now because of this injury. Yeah. Now, now he's just got to get back on the field and uh, you know, everybody I think in Cleveland will be pulling for this guy because he's that kind of person. And we, you just hope that, that, you know, the, he keeps making progress and, you know, just keeps, keeps going, you know, and gets back on the field and uh, you know, gets back to where he was just before he got hurt Joe, because he was, you know, if you look back in the timeline, he was really developing into a middle of the order hitter. Uh, you know, he's getting a, getting the hang of right field. Uh, and uh, just, he was, he, it was, a, it was exciting to watch him play. Yeah. That, that, that's sort of that, that last part there, getting the hang of right field, but then, you know, the way he was trending at the plate when he got hurt, that that's what really hurt Cleveland's offense was he was, he was making himself an everyday guy out in right field, which uh, you know, they sure could use. Um, we did talk to Zach Plesak as well. Uh, Plesak always, uh, always fun to talk to just because you never know which way that conversation is going to go. Uh, <laughs> sort of one of those free spirits in the, uh, the Mike Clevenger sort of mold. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to hippie's not a bad way to, to say it. He's, he's just, he's just very ethereal, I guess, is the way you could, you could phrase every conversation with Zach Plesak. Yeah, he's kind of he's he's from uh, he's from Indiana, but he's got a kind of West Coast vibe about him. Yes, and, you know, and I, I like the fact I think Jensen Lewis asked him, uh, you know, what are his goals were, and w- without hesitation, he goes, "I want to make every start, I want to make the All Star team, and I want to win a Gold Glove." Okay, you know. Yes. <laughs> well, and the way that he conditions himself, the way that he works out and works, uh, you know, Tito mentioned he's like nobody works harder than he does. We see if you follow him on social, you see the the um, the workout routines that he posts and, and all that. Uh, I think he's physically. I think he, as long as he avoids breaking his thumb on a chair, uh, I, I think he could probably make every one of his starts. Uh, as far as being an all star, I, I think there are a lot of factors that go into that 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 are beyond his control. But if he goes out and performs the way he's capable of, that's that's a possibility there. And as far as a Gold Glove goes. He, he can certainly make all the plays and he's certainly athletic enough. Uh, like you mentioned, 
with the universal DH, he's, he's no longer, he's probably one of the best athletes all around on the team, but now with the universal DH, he's not going to be able to hit the national league parks. Yeah. He was really disappointed about that. I think he was looking forward to perhaps uh, meeting uh, Clevenger, you know, they play San Diego, I think in August at Petco park. And I think he was, he was, he was hoping for, for a matchup against his buddy. And so they could not only pitch against each other, but, uh, but hit against each other. What did, what did he say when you asked him? He said, that would have been epic. Yeah. That and, been and, that, epic. and he just sort of let it hang there in the air. <laughs> that would have been epic. So yeah, uh, just that always, always fun uh, talking to, to, to police act when he's in a mood like that, I guess. Uh, just, just stay away from him after he gives up a couple of runs and is trying to take off a t-shirt in the locker room. That's when, uh, that's when the Hulk comes out. Uh, all right. That's going to wrap it up for today's show. Uh, we got to get to a, a parade here in a little bit. Um, Hoinsey, we're looking forward to the beginning of, uh, spring training and exhibition games tomorrow. Uh, they, they open up against the Reds at Goodyear. Uh, it, it, apparently we're going to see the, the, the full lineup, man, right, right off the gate. Yeah. It sounds like it, uh, you know, Tito was talking about playing the regulars, you know, a couple, you know, I, I, I would imagine they'll go, you know, they'll each get a couple of bats, you know, two or three, four innings, and then they'll send in the shock troops from uh, the <laughs> minors. And uh, he still didn't know who was going to start though. He's not going to, yeah. it's not going to be from the big league camp. Yeah. That's what he said. I asked him who's going to be the starter. He said, Nobody from our camp, so so that uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we probably won't even recognize any of the names of uh, of the guys that go out there. But uh, again, uh, looking forward to to getting closer to real baseball tomorrow. We're going to see uh, a team wearing Guardians uniforms on the field for the first time. Uh, that should be exciting. Hoinsey, we'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.